Hi, this is Pastor Dave, and I want to talk to you today about church life. This is a very important subject, and it's part of our series called The Core Four. So if you're going in order, this would be number four, the last video. First was salvation, and second was water baptism. Third was growing in your faith, and then four is church life. Why is church life important? We need a church because we weren't created to do life alone. Once you've made a decision for Christ or even thinking about making a decision for Christ, it is important to find a place that you can call, this is my church home. It's a place of support and growth, a place where you can find people that value the things that you value. And you can hear from God's word. You can hear the truth. And you know what? You can do things within a church and a church body that you could never do on your own. Your service and your giving is multiplied and you can have a much greater impact. There we go. Hey, good morning. I always wanted to do that. Nothing like the power of uh, light, right? Let there be light. Good morning. It's, and that was just uh, another video clip from our Core 4 series. If you're new with us today, we've been doing this series on the four important things, the big rocks that we need to know in coming to Christ, connecting with Christ. First week, we talked about salvation. There's going to be one question that gets asked for you when you stand before God, and it's, what did you do with Jesus? And uh, we talked about what it means to have Jesus come in and connect with your life. The second week, we talked about going public with our faith in water baptism. Last week, Pastor Clint, uh, important and, and great message on growing in our faith. And then today, I want to talk to you about church life. And uh, again, I appreciate what Pastor Clint said. Happy Mother's Day to you, those of you that are joining us online. However, whenever you're watching this, we just want to say thank you. It means so much that you've connected with us. We are praying for you, and we're so uh, privileged to have you with us. But you know what? The Bible says that uh, God told men and women, it's not good to do life alone. It's not good to be alone. Another place in the Psalms, it says that God puts the lonely into families. You know, the church is often referred to as a family, the family of God or the body of Christ. This is just imagery that's talking about a place to belong and become. Really, that's what it's about. Why? Because you can't live the Christian life in a vacuum. You know, a lot of times say, you know, I'd do a lot better with Jesus if it wasn't for other Christians. <laughs> sure, wouldn't all of us, right? But you know what? God didn't create you to come to Christ and just, you know, live life by yourself. I've often wondered, when we come to Christ, why don't we just go immediately to heaven? You know, he's got us. Might as well just go right to heaven. You know what? God has a purpose for life, and it has to do with people. And within the body of Christ, that is where we grow. Sometimes we friction a little bit. God is trying to prepare you for eternity. And he, it was always meant to live in community. You see, God's very design for a family. It was always meant to be in community. So we need a church because we can't do life alone. And, you know, you could think, well, it's easier to do it alone, but you know what? It's not safe, and, it, and you're not going to grow. And like we talked about, and like I mentioned on that video, a church is a place that you really can magnify your own gifts, and you can leverage what you give. The Bible says that God wants us to be generous. 
uh, on a regular basis, be generous. From the very beginning when they established the tabernacle, then they established the temple, and then the local church, it is supported by the giving of the family members of the body of Christ. And you know, if you just write your check or you just give the portion that God's laid on your heart, well, that's all right, but imagine the power when we come together and we leverage our giving, when we leverage our service, when we leverage our talent. You know, I could get up here and try to lead a couple songs, which back in the day I was known to maybe lead a song or two, and then I got retired, and people are thankful for that. But today we have people that are leveraging their talent, coming together in the body of Christ. We can just do so much more through the body in giving and serving and blessing. But here's the deal that uh, is also a truth is there is no such thing as a perfect church. You know, just like there's no perfect family. We all have our flaws. Churches have their flaws. And some people will continue to bounce and bounce and they're, going to, they're trying to find the perfect church. You know what? They're always going to be disappointed because there's just no such thing. And if you do find a perfect church, don't go to it because you're going to screw it up. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> because none of us are perfect. And like a family, each church has its own culture or rhythm, if you will. It's kind of the vibe you get. You know, if you go to visit someone else's home for dinner and you sit around their table, you're going to kind of catch the vibe of the family. If you go to one of their holidays, like a Christmas or a Thanksgiving, with extended family, you're going to kind of catch the vibe of that family. Well, churches are, are the same thing. And when you've come to Christ... When you've gone public with your faith and when you're growing in your faith, it's important for you to say, all right, now where am I going to invest? Where am I going to connect as a family member? And when you find that, you need to ask something. First of all, is this, is a, pla is this a place where I can grow in my faith? I mean, you know, I, I, I know that it's important to find a church where you fit and where you connect. And one thing I love about our culture today a little bit is it seems like the denominational walls are coming down used to be that, man, if I was Baptist, bless God, wherever I went, that's the only church I went to. Or if I was Assemblies of God, that's where I went. If I was Presbyterian, on and on. I, I like what happens today. People want to go and see where they connect. Where can I hear the Word of God taught in a way that I can understand and I can grow in my faith? Is this a place, if I have children, is this a place where my family can grow in their faith? Is this church involved in serving their community? Uh, are, they, are they interested in reaching people? Or are they kind of hiding inside the four walls? Most importantly is this. When we go to a church, we look at a church and say, is Jesus honored in that church? Do I feel Jesus' presence in that church? You know, we meet, we huddle up. A lot of stuff, what happens here, and as you can imagine, having a digital format, there's a lot of stuff we need to do, and we need to rehearse, and we need to prepare, and we've got amazing people in all those spots. And before every service, we'll come together, and we kind of go through... The, the timeline, but then we pray together. And almost every time, I try to say this. Jesus, if anything good happens in this room, it's because of you. Help us never to forget that. You didn't come to see me. You didn't come to see Pastor Clint or, or, or Colin or the worship team, although it's great to be together. But let me tell you what. Jesus is the senior pastor of this church, and, and we want it that way. So what's so special about this church? We're talking about this particular. If you're joining us today and you have a home church and you're just cheating a little bit and watching us, well, God bless you. We're glad you're here. Or maybe you've connected with us. What's so special about this church? 
Family Life Church. You know, it was started in 1927 in a little storefront downtown Newburgh. God placed it on somebody's heart to come together. They had, they, they had, they had found a, a Pentecostal message, a charismatic movement in their heart, and they began this church. And he had a reason to plant this church here. He still has a reason to plant this church here and have this here because we still exist. And over the years, the church began to grow and form, and it came uh, 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 more structure, and, and, and the buildings began to be built. And then now, uh, after a few years, they purchased this property and built this building, and this is where we exist today. We're a part of the Assemblies of God Fellowship. We're proud of that. What does that mean to you? It means we have a covering. We're not out here on our own. I have authority over me. I have a, a pastor over me. And when I struggle, I can go to him. When I need leadership, I can go to him. And that should give you great confidence that we're just not out here doing anything we can do. We are out here under the covering of a fellowship. And just like there's no perfect church, there's no perfect denomination, we appreciate the Assemblies of God. One thing I appreciate about the Assemblies of God is that every church is sovereign. They allow us to be the expression of Jesus in our own community the way we feel God wants to do it, the way the leaders feel God wants us to do. So we don't have like a mothership that's beaming down, you got to say this, you got to say that. Now we have a doctrinal covering, absolutely, but it allows us to be the expression of Jesus that we are in this community. And so a couple things that we value, you're going to see this a lot, we're multi-generational. You know what I love about uh, when we come to this church, and if you've ever come and attend church here, you'll see babies to grandparents. You see droolers to gray hair. And some might be drooling on both ends. I don't know. But, <laughs> but people come in and say, we love this because there's multi-generation. We want the whole family involved. It's not just a young people's church. It's not just a church of senior saints that are holding on until Jesus comes. We're alive and active. And grandmas and grandpas, let me just tell you something. When you have grandkids and you got kids in the room and they come to visit, it's going to be noisy. It's going to be messy. And it's not, everything's not going to be right where you want it because kids are in the house. But how many know that with kids come life and come excitement? And right now, we have an incredible team of, of uh, children's workers and teachers and Pastor Lisa and her team that are instructing children with the gospel on a level they can understand it. I love that. They're learning about who Jesus is. Another thing we value is we're Christ-centered. Again, if anything good happens here, it's because of Jesus. Everything has to come back to Jesus. If it's not about Jesus, we're not about it. And we're community-focused. We want to be active in our community. We want to matter. The church is the most powerful when it's outside the four walls. And so I know the pandemic has kind of curved our abilities a little bit, but we're about ready to ramp that back up again because we need to matter in our community. We give in our community. We look on an annual basis to find ways to bless organizations and groups outside us. I always say this, the biggest offerings we ever take are for somebody else. I like that. And then here, you're going to understand this. If you know me, we're a simple church, right? We're a simple church. What do I mean by that? Well, we don't do everything. We don't have every ministry. In fact, we intentionally try to do fewer things, but what we do, we want to do them well. There are some churches in the community that are called to have different ministries. God bless them. We support them, and we even thank God for them to do that, but God has kind of called us to be more of a simple. We try to keep things simple. We do fewer things and do them well. Another thing I hope that you catch, and we feel this a lot of times, is we want to be authentic. We want to be authentic in our message. We want to 
We keep it real. We're not going to fake it till we make it. We're not perfect. You know, some of the most difficult times in my life and some of the times that I've had to be the most vulnerable have been right here with my family, my church family. And your leaders struggle. And I stand up here and I say, here's what's going on in my life. And I got to be authentic about it. I'm not going to fake it till we make it. We wanted that to come across in everything we do. And we care about missions. What does that word missions mean? We support missionaries, couples that are in different parts of the world that are taking the gospel. We've got some right here in the United States that are, that are ministering to people right here. And from time to time, we hear from our missionaries. And we want to be giving and seeing people going around the world. Those are just a few things that we value here at this church. Church is a place where you are helped, where you are loved, and where you are served. And it's a place where you can be a part of being that to others. If you just come in and say, feed me, feed me, Seymour. <laughs> you know what? Uh, babies say that. But after a while, if you've got a 28-year-old baby sitting there saying, feed me, feed me, something needs to change. Hello? So it becomes a place where we begin to minister and serve others. Also, connecting and receiving ourselves. When Paul wanted to describe the church, he, he's the one that kind of began to use this body language, right? This, the, the body of Christ. He, he starts saying, you know what? Painted a picture of the church as the body of Christ. Jesus, Jesus is the head and we're the hands and the feet. 1 Corinthians 2, 11, it says it like this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves. Some are free. But we have all been baptized into one spirit, and we share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. What is he saying here? He's saying there needs to be a unity to have usefulness. There needs to be a unity to have usefulness. We gotta work in concert with one another. He also talks about if, if the hand, if there's just a hand and it says, I don't need the rest of the body, then you got this hand and it looks like the Adams family. That's creepy, that's weird. Or if you got all these eyeballs you know, hanging around, if you part out the body, it's not normal. In fact, it's a little bit creepy. If I come into your house and you have this art in the wall and you got all these hands, I probably won't visit again, right? It's a little bit, you know, it might be art, but it's weird. But when it comes to the body of Christ, we all need to be in concert together and we don't need to be criticizing like, how come that hand isn't handier? <laughs> how come that foot isn't footier? How come that eye isn't more? You know what? We're a part of the body of Christ. We come together. And Paul is talking to the Corinthian church because they had issues. He's trying to help them understand. There were two extremes going on in the Corinthian church. There were those that thought they were too good for anybody. They walked in, thought they owned the place. And then there were others who would come in and they couldn't even lift their eyes because they didn't think they were worthy. And Paul said, this shouldn't be. We are one body. We need to come together. You know, still today, there are those that come into a faith community. Some of us are sure of ourselves. We, we've been coming to this church. We built this place maybe, or we've been coming here a long, long, long time. We know Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's still people that walk in this place that can't even lift their eyes because they don't even know if Jesus can still accept them and love them. 
we have to be conscious of that as we are a body. And it's not just about us, about what we prefer, about what we want. It's about the community. And what Paul is trying to address is kind of an atmosphere of exclusivity. Some members thinking they're more important than others. And there's just kind of this arrogance that came about. And he says, you know what? We have got to be a body. And he imagines if someone just begins to, to just to be on their own. That's what I'm saying. You can't live the Christian life in a, in a vacuum or you're just one piece of a body that can't function fully. And that's what Paul is trying to say. We work in concert with one another. The body is meant to be one, working in concert. You have a place in this body. I don't, I, and maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and say, I've never felt like I've been a part of the body. Well, we need to have a conversation and we need to dig into that. We need to help you grow into that and find a place to say, that's my church family. I, again, no perfect church, but that's my church family. Sandy and I live in a little neighborhood here in town. We love our neighborhood and there's a lot of kids up and down the street. And I was out in my garage the other day working on something, garage door open. And uh, I think it was a grandma and a little girl walked down the sidewalk and she looked at me and she said, hi, Pastor Dave. And I said, hi. And she goes, this is verbatim, she goes, I called you Pastor Dave because I go to Family Life Church. And I said, oh, what's her name again? <laughs> but I was just like, hey, I didn't know, but she comes to Family Life Church and she, she knows I'm Pastor Dave. And I said, I love that belonging. But it's about men, it's about women, it's about children, adults, senior adults, musicians, teachers, givers, prayer warriors. Oh, we have to have those. Those who whisper a prayer for others, those who serve, those who have public gifts and get up here and play guitar like I always dreamed I could and never could, and that can sing, and, that can, and, and those that can do other things, those that just make you feel welcome when you walk in, those that make sure this building is clean and smells good when you walk in. Right? There's people using their gifts. There's some people that have very public gifts. There's other people that, let me tell you what, you might never see them, but God help us if they ever stop praying for us. Every Sunday as I'm preparing for this, I say, thank you, God, for those that are praying for this church right now, praying for me right now, praying for this message right now. It's working together. We are about the whole family. Not just, it's not just about me anymore. We got so many things in our culture today that can divide us, so many things that can split us apart. Hello, that's been the enemy's chief number one process since he started this thing. If I can just get him divided, we can't let him do that. You'll see on our, the hot sheet and on our walls and stuff, connect, grow, and serve. That's just a vision for us to say we want to make sure that we're about connecting. You connecting with God, first and foremost, connecting with other people as a family, connecting with us online, and then growing, like Pastor Clint was talking about last week. Man, we want to see you grow in your faith, grow in relationship, and then having those gifts and those talents, we serve others. So really, we're about three things, and when I talked about simple, this is what I mean. We think if we can engage you in three things, it gives you the greatest ability to grow in your faith. First of all, it's a Sunday morning experience. We're going to do everything we can to make this a great, meaningful, useful time coming together, worshiping God corporately. 
And then we want to get you connected in a life group. And we're never going to apologize for that. We want you meeting with others. You can learn more in circles than you can in rows. And then we want to find a place for you to serve. In every church, you need a friend and you need a job. Some of you are just like, I come, I go, I come and go. I'm telling you, when you begin to serve some way, any way, it doesn't have to be publicly, it could be some small way. That's when you grow in your faith. And that's what we're going to continue to do. We are the church, but we're not the gatekeeper of God. Jesus is the one that makes us inclusive. Look at how Jesus treated people in the New Testament. Look at how he, he invited, he included, he reached out to people, sometimes that religious people never had anything to do with. I love it that Jesus was never political. He was never about who they were or where they were from or what had happened in their lives, or what they were doing, or how long they had done it, he'd always like, hey, everybody can flip the script. Everybody can come to a point of life change. That's what Jesus was all about. You know, I've always wanted to be a part of a church that was grace-oriented, that was loving and accepting. And let me just be honest with you, sometimes we do that really well, and sometimes we don't. There have been people that might have left this church that didn't feel that inclusion, and we say we realize that, and we're sorry. Churches hurt people, they do. And I say we never want to do it intentionally because there's no perfect church. But I know that as we pray and we want a church that is inclusive and grace-filled, you know, I didn't realize that I would be one of the greatest recipients of that grace. And many times, like I said, I've stood before this body and said, this is what's happening in my life take my pastor hat off, take my leader hat off, and just say, as a person in this church, I love it. They've always just embraced and given me the grace that I always want to see for others. It makes you see the church a little bit differently. And if you think of the church, that what we might not naturally think of, the church is really a tool. Like I said, God planted this church in this place for a reason years and years ago. This church is planted before a lot of us, most of us were born. And he had a reason, he had a purpose. In Luke chapter 19, there's a story that we all learned in Sunday school. Maybe you didn't learn it in Sunday school. Maybe that wasn't your story, but maybe you've heard about the story of Zacchaeus. Or, if you say it correctly, Zacchaeus. Or Zach Cuss. Okay, so, I don't know, whatever you want to do, uh, <laughs> that is it. But Zacchaeus is a story out of Luke 19. And... One of the best ways to read the Bible passage is to try to listen and look like it's the first time you've read the story. In Luke 19, 1 to 10, I'm reading out of the New English translation. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. Now, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was there. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to get a look at Jesus, but being a short man, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed it to a sycamore tree to see him because Jesus was uh, going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down quickly because I must stay at your house today. So he came down quickly and welcomed Jesus joyfully so that, and when the people saw it, they all complained. He's gotten to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, look, Lord, half of my possessions I now give to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, 
anything, I am paying them back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this household, to this person, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, I just want to deconstruct this story a little bit. Imagine this story with, you, with me. Jesus is at the height of his popularity. He's been teaching. He's been traveling around. Everywhere Jesus goes, miracles happen. The word's out. This is the second time he's been, at least the second time he's been to Jericho because the first time he came through, he healed two blind guys and they were so excited they told everybody and now he's back and there's a crowd. Believers, seekers, people who knew Jesus' teaching, people who just wanted to see something happen. But the story focuses on a particular man, Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector, the Bible tells us. Zacchaeus was a well-known man in the community. He was the tax man. But he was disconnected from the faith community. You might not know this, but as a tax collector, he was seen as a traitor to his very people. He was no longer welcomed in the temple area. He could no longer stand and talk before God or connect with the priest because of what he had done. He had turned on his, his own kind. He had begun to work for the Roman government. He was a, a traitor. He began to work for the enemy, if you will, and he profited from it. There's one thing when somebody does something, but when they get rich off it and it involves you, you might not like it so much. Well, there you go. And so he's connected with these people, and he's being very careful in this crowd. He's very rich, and he was outcast. He was obviously hated. He was despised. He was treated as, as the thief that he was. But these people were outside the faith community. Spiritually speaking, Zacchaeus doesn't have the help. He's lost. And his prayer might have been something like this. God, if you don't connect with me in my situation, it's hopeless. Zacchaeus had to come to that point. How many people in our community in Yamhill County went to bed last night and had that prayer? God, if you don't help me, it's hopeless. Maybe somebody walked in the room today feeling that very thing. But Zacchaeus has, is seeking change, and nobody even knows what's going on in his heart because obviously something's happening there. He's betrayed his friends, his country, his faith community, but he wanted to change, and he needed a clear view of Jesus. So what does he do? He He's a short guy, okay? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful or uh, not publicly correct, but let me tell you what. When the Bible says somebody's something, they mean there's something. If the Bible says he's a rich man, guess what? He's rich. If the Bible says he's a short man, guess what? He's short. Just a fact of life. But the issue is he can't see Jesus because of all the people in the way. And I wonder sometimes how many people can't see Jesus because of the people that are in front of them. I talk to people all the time. Had a coffee with a guy this week, and he told me a story about being a part of a church and someone that was standing in front of him that he couldn't get over, and he can't see Jesus. But when you make church all about you and what you want and what you believe and what your party is, well, guess what? You can get the way of other people seeing Jesus. But notice... Who is joyful in this whole situation? Who's complaining in this whole situation? 
The Bible says that he finds this tree, he, he gets up in this tree, and he can see Jesus. But it says he came down quickly and welcomed Jesus joyfully. And when the people saw it, they all began to complain. But Zacchaeus hears about Jesus. Maybe he had heard the story of the woman at the well. Maybe that story had got to him. Maybe he had heard the story about the woman who was caught in adultery and how Jesus responded to her. Maybe he had heard from the two blind guys that were from his own town. And he's like, man, I need that kind of thing. If God can do that for them, maybe he can do that for me. He studies his surroundings. He's looking around and he goes, okay, how can I see Jesus? And he sees this tree. There was this sycamore tree, the Bible tells us. Everybody who grew up in Jericho knew about that tree. It's a tree in the center of town. It's always been there. It's fun to climb. But when you become an adult, you don't climb trees anymore. Hello? Your bones get brittle, right? You're just not in tree. But it's like that was necessary. He knew the tree. And he took a shot at seeing Jesus by climbing up in that tree on the sturdy limb. And he wants to watch the show. And he wants to see Jesus come by. And as Jesus gets closer and closer, he's thinking, here he comes. He's getting closer and, and this is going to be great. And all of a sudden he hears his name, Zacchaeus. And he looks down and Jesus is looking right at him. And he's like, Zacchaeus, lunch, your house, stat, one hour, let's go. That's my translation. The thing I always wonder in this story was what was the back story? Because here's a man who had all the world had to offer. He had all the stuff, but he still knew there was something missing. And he could have been in a crisis. He was seeking like many of us. He was just, Jesus has to be the answer. But I love how Jesus comes to him and connects with him. And I think like most great stories, there's a backstory on the components that might not you think about, like, God knew this was going to happen, didn't he? I mean, it didn't surprise God that this interaction was going to happen, but God needed a vehicle to make it happen, to get Zacchaeus in the right spot to see Jesus. You know, God has a calendar. He's got a big calendar, and he's got appointments on that calendar. And if you connect with Jesus, I'm telling you, you've been on God's calendar. But before any of us and before this story was ever written, God knew that there needed to be that time. And so he said, guess what? I need a tree in that spot. So check this out. 80, maybe 100 years before this all happened, he laid it on somebody's heart. I want you to plant a tree right here. And it's just too important to let people get in the way. I've got to be able to let Zacchaeus see. So he made sure that there was this tree there. Think of the blessing to this faith community that Zacchaeus became. Think about that, because you know when he came down, he began to tell Jesus, you know what, I have be, I, my heart is changed. I'm going to be generous with everything I have. And he began to give and give and give. What a blessing in that community, because there was a tree so that he could see Jesus. Think about what it must have felt like to this short, Jesus-seeking, tree-climbing hated tax collector to have an appointment with Jesus. And in this story, sometimes I used to think the church, maybe the disciples of Jesus, the church was the crowd that got in the way. I'm trying to say, where's the church? Where can I see the church in this? But let me just present to you today, why do we need to be a part of the, part of the body of Christ? Because in Zacchaeus' story, the church is the tree. 
It's just a tool. The church is a tool where people can come and get a clear view of Jesus. We were planted in the dirt of this city 1927, almost 100 years ago, because God knew that there would be times when someone's going to walk in that door, when you, he knew you would be here so that you could get a view of Jesus. That's why we got to make sure it's always about Jesus. But the church is at its best when it's a place where we elevate Jesus, lift him up above the noise of the crowd. There's so much in our culture today that distracts us. There's so much division. There's so much noise out there right now. You know it. You experience it. It's hurt you. Maybe it's wounded you. But I'm telling you, in this place, it needs to be a place where Jesus is seen. Her name was Michelle. She came to church with her dad. And her dad was a friend of mine, and he was attending church for a little bit. But one Sunday, one particular Sunday, Michelle came with him, sat next to him. She looked together, quite attractive. She just looked like, man, that girl's got it going on. She's, <laughs> she's got it together. She's beautiful, and I knew her dad. What an amazing guy he was. And for some reason that Sunday, during a prayer response time, I felt like God just say, have people that need prayer to step into the aisle. It wasn't anything that I knew. It was just something that God put on my heart. I said, okay, if you need prayer, step into the aisle. And I remember right over in here, Michelle stepped into the aisle and just broke into tears. And I watched all the people in that section, a bunch of people, the family of the church, just gather around and kind of just clustered this one. And all I could see was like a group, and I could see Michelle right in the middle, and she was weeping, and God was doing something. And I was saying, boy, I can't wait to hear that story. And I never saw her again. She never came back until a few years later when I was talking to her dad, who was a friend of mine, and he wasn't really attending the church. We just happened to meet, and he said, hey, let me tell you what's going on in Michelle's life. And he began to tell me. I said, well, wait a minute. What, what about Michelle? And he goes, oh, you didn't know. There were substance abuse issues. Her kids were living with somebody else because she'd had them taken away. She, her life was starts and stops and difficulties, even though she looked so together on the outside. But he said, you know, she's married an incredible Christian man. And her family is reunited, and she's written a book. She started a ministry to minister to people just like her. And he goes, you know what? It all started in the aisle during that prayer time. And I went, whoa. I couldn't take any credit for that because... It was the people in the church that gathered around. Someone just came in. Thank God there was a limb that she could be on to see Jesus that day. People show up here each week. Some just because they want to, and I love it. Some because they need a faith community. Some because somebody brings them. Some of you don't even know how you got in here today. <laughs> like, what? how did I get, what, what am I doing here? When's lunch, right? But Jesus has an appointment. I don't care how long you've been following Jesus. He can still speak a word. It might be through a lyric of a song. It might be through a prayer. It might be through a story that you haven't considered in a long time. It might be just like you've stepped into the aisle and somebody prays with you. 
and something changes. That is what church life is all about. Listen, you need a faith community to be a part of. You need a church family to be a part of. You need to be a part of the body of Christ. You need it, not just for yourself, but what you can bring to the others because we are the body of Christ. And if we've got random hands and feet and ears and eyeballs hanging around different places, it's weird, it's gross, and it doesn't work. And believe me, just like you, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't need the church. Well, I wish somebody would have told Jesus that because he died for the church. This just becomes a place. It's just one of many trees in this community. God's planted churches of all different flavors and all different styles. And I know many pastors in this community, and I've gotten to know them a little bit. I know they have a heart for Jesus, and they want the same thing. And for some reason, God planted us here, 502 South St. Paul Highway, to be our version of what he wants us to be. And we want you to be a part of that. If you're watching today and maybe it's safer for you to connect online, you're still a part of us. We claim you and we want you to know that we're here to pray for you and connect with you. And we're going to come through this whole thing pretty soon and it's going to be on to something else, but we're going to be gathering like we normally did. I'm telling you, being a part of the family, it's not only coming to Christ, Jesus, come into my life. I need my sins forgiven. It's not just being baptized in water and saying, I'm going to go public with my faith. It's not just saying, man, I'm going to get on a growth path to learn how to grow in my faith. It's also being a part of a larger family, something bigger than me. And when I give my offerings, when I serve, when I do my part, it just becomes bigger and greater. And we can maybe put a dent in the community in a good way. Maybe we can just serve people that didn't know that Jesus cared. Or maybe we can just be here singing about, praising about, praying about, preaching about Jesus, and they walk in and say, wow, I needed to see that. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, I thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, that no matter what our story is, some of us uh, grew up in church. I know my story. I was born on Friday and in church on Sunday, I'm sure. I was there every week. I was in Sunday school all the way through, but I've still had my struggles. I've still had hurts. I know there are people that are watching online or maybe here, and maybe they've connected with the church later in life. Or maybe some are just considering that, but God, thank you that the body of Christ, the church was your idea. Help us, God, to be the expression of what you want us to be. God, I would pray that you would place in the heart of people that desire not only to have a relationship with you and to have a conversation with you, connect with you to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sin. But to be willing to go public with that faith, to be willing to start on a growth path and to become something, a part of something bigger become a part of that tree that's just there to make sure everybody else gets a clear view of Jesus. Thank you for the gifts and the talents that are in this family. I thank you for those that are using those gifts and talents, and I pray that you would motivate those that might not be yet to get in the game because time is short. God, help us to be the body that you always wanted us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're 
with us today, uh, maybe for the first time, maybe you've connected with Christ, we want you to know there's a host online right now that would love to connect with you. Just just talk to her right now. She can help you get connected with us. Text 94000. If you're in the room, there's a connection connect card right there in the hot sheet. We'd love to know how we can help you. What's the next step? Maybe you got a question. Maybe you want to keep this conversation going on another occasion. Please just let us know. We want to connect with you. And it's Mother's Day. So, Mom, we love you. Where would we be without Mom? I don't know. Here's what I know. Mother's Day is a day of joy for some and a day of great pain for others. But we've been praying for you, and we're thankful for you. And if you're hurting because of your mom's not with you, we pray God's comfort and and peace in your life. If you're disconnected from your mom, we pray that that would become a healing place. But we just want to say we love you, Mom, and thank you. And we got a little place in Newburgh called Miss Hannah's Gourmet Popcorn. And this stuff is the business. I can go through a bag twice the size and not even blink. It's, it's an addiction. I'm getting help for it right now. But, but we got some kettle corn. We got some caramel corn. Every mom that uh, is in the room is going to get this with our compliments. If you're watching online and you're a mom, we want to send you some of this. So just say to the host, I'm a mom. And if you're not, Jesus sees you. But if you are... I'm a mom, okay? And she'll connect with you, and you can give us your address, and we're going to send this to you this week, and you'll be munching with the rest of us. So moms, we say God bless you. We love you. Thank you for who you are. Would you please stand with me today? This prayer wall is going to be open right over here, and there'll be people that love Jesus and would love to pray with you. Don't leave today. You can do it safely on one side of the table. There will be people that love Jesus want to pray with you. The host online right now, you can ask for prayer, and we will be praying with you. We want to connect with you. Thank you so much for connecting with us today and being here today. Until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life. His blessing will be yours because you're part of his family. Believe it. God bless you as you go live the life today. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.